You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, last week I, I asked you just point blank, and I said I want an answer. And I asked the question, do you believe that God's Word is authoritative? Is God's Word the authority for your life? Is it the supreme rule for life and for faith? Is God's Word absolute truth? had a conversation a couple of months ago with a guy who was probably in his early 30s and we were talking quite a while about his life and finally I said to him, well, is God's Word the authority for your life? Do you believe that God's Word is authoritative? Is it the supreme rule for your life and faith? Is it absolute truth? And so he thinks about it for a few minutes and he says to me, well... I believe the Bible is a good book. He said, actually, I think the Bible is a great book. But I don't believe that the Bible is the final word for everything. I said, okay. I said, then how much of the Bible do you believe is truth? He said, I I don't know. I said, do you believe 50% of the Bible is truth? He said, oh, I I think it's more than 50%. I said, well, do you believe like 75% of the Bible is truth? It's more than that. I said, what about 90%? Do you believe 90% of the Bible is truth? He said, look, okay, there's a few issues that, that I disagree with in, in the Bible. It, it's not a lot, but there's a few things that I don't, I don't agree with. And, and so here I stand again this week, and I, and I look you in the eye the best I can see you. And I ask you the question, do you believe the Bible is absolute truth? Let, let, me, let me tell you what Paul says, okay? These are the words of the Apostle Paul. So you've got to listen really close on this. I, you know, just, just lean forward for a minute. I've got something to say to you. Paul says this about the Scripture. All Scripture... All Scripture is God-breathed. Another translation says it this way. All Scripture is God-inspired. Paul is saying that this is God's Word. This is truth. Absolutely truth. This is the supreme rule for life and for faith. So let me take you to, to his words in the second book of Timothy chapter, chapter 3, and I'll start reading with verse 14, okay? Second Timothy chapter 3, I'll begin reading with verse 14. I, I'll chat with you just a minute about Second Timothy. Um, when, when Paul writes all of these letters that you find that he's written in the Bible, most of them are written to like groups of people, but, but Timothy and, and Philemon and and Titus are, are unique 
in that Paul writes them to individuals. And so when you think about First and Second Timothy and Titus, they are called the pastoral epistles. And the reason they're called the pastoral epistles is because Paul writes them to Timothy and Titus who are pastors. He has put them in charge of congregations to oversee them, and so he writes to them. Now, when you read 1 Timothy, it's very clear why he's writing to them, and he's saying, this is how you conduct yourself in the house of God. But when you get to 2 Timothy, where we are today, it's more of a pastoral letter. He calls him, my dear son. And he says to him, I'm, 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 I'm thinking about your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Eunice and then in your mother Lois. And, and you kind of hear the heart of a pastor talking to another younger pastor about this journey of faith. So he says to Timothy, you know all about me. You know all of my teaching. You know my way of life. You know my purpose. You know my love, my patience. You know my faith. You know my endurance. You know how I came through persecution. And then he makes this statement that says... In fact, everybody who wants to live a godly life will be persecuted to some degree. And he contrasts that to false teachers, evildoers, imposters, who just go on deceiving and being deceived. And he offers Timothy an alternative to all of that. So here's, here's what he says. You ready? We'll put the words on the screen. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But it's for you... You're not like those guys, Timothy, okay? As for you, continue in what you have learned and have been convinced of because you know those from whom you've learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, Timothy, all Scripture is God-breathed. And it is useful for teaching, and it is useful for rebuking, and it is useful correcting, and it is useful for training in righteousness, so that the man of God or the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every, every good work. This is God's Word for us today. May God bless the reading of His Word. Amen? I was, I was leaving my house a few days ago, and I was coming down Council Road. And um, as I was coming down, um, I'm going to ask you to bring the lights up some. I just can't see very well right now, so if you could help me. You guys are all in the dark over here. You've got to get light in your life, man. Can you, can you help me with that, please, if you can bring up quite a little bit more? Maybe we're having some difficulty, so I'll leave it alone. Um, but I'm driving down Council Road, and I get to the stoplight at 39th Expressway, and I'm in the right-hand lane, okay? You with me? Going south on Council, I get to 39th Expressway. I'm in the right-hand lane. And, and there is a truck that is stopped there at the stoplight, and I'm behind them. And then the light turns green, and everybody in the left-hand lane starts moving, but this truck doesn't move. And so I'm thinking, what's up with this, that this truck isn't moving and so then I'm able to see that there's two or three car lengths ahead of this truck, and it's just sitting there. Maybe it's broken down or something. And so finally, when all the cars go by me, the light is now turned red. I go around the truck, and I'm going to pull in front of the truck, and I'm going to go when the light turns green again. 
Well, when I pull around the truck, it looks to me like the person's head is back like this. And so I get a little concerned about the person in the truck thinking maybe they're not okay. And so I get out of my car and I run back to the truck and sure enough, this person is out like a light. I mean, just like that. And so I'm nervous. I'm thinking maybe they've died or something. I I reach for the handle to open the door. Nothing happens. And so then it's locked. And so then I, I knock on the window. And when I do, that person jumps like crazy. Well, I jumped. Not only did I scare them, but they scared me. Oh, my. So it's a young man. He rolls down the window. And I said, uh, the the light changed. And then it changed back. You're you're asleep. And, And he looks at me and he just kind of opens his eyes and he says, I'm sorry. I said, well, it's okay. It's just that, you know, you're, you're driving and I thought maybe I should wake you up. <laughs> to which he responds again the same way. I'm, I'm sorry. And I said, it, it's okay. I said, do you, do you think you're all right? Do you think you're okay to drive? And he says, yeah. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to hop back in my car. The light's going to change and, and you, you just go right on through, okay? And he goes, a third time, I'm sorry. I said, really, it's okay. I just want to make sure you're all right. I ran up, jumped in my car. I turned right on 39th Expressway to go toward Yukon. And I'm watching in my rear view. And sure enough, he goes straight across and he heads down council. Here's what Paul is dealing with. He's dealing with the issue of false teachers. He talks about it, the paragraphs previous to the passage that I read to you. He says, not only are these people deceiving you, but they are being deceived. Not only are they giving you the wrong information, they have the wrong information. So they think they know what they're talking about, but they don't know what they're talking about. And they're setting themselves up as teachers to tell everybody else what is truth. And they don't know what the truth is. Man, I'm telling you. That got a hold of me this week. And I realized that I did not live in Paul and Timothy's day. But I thought, what about the society that I live in? Everybody seems to be an authority of truth. Whether they are a talk show host or anybody else who has an opinion about anything, they happen to have the truth. And I think about our young people. All the messages that are getting thrown at them. This is not wrong. This is not morally incorrect. This is not sin. This is okay. No, this is okay, but this is not. And I'm thinking they're hearing it from every direction, from everybody that has an opinion. And not only are these people deceiving other people, they are themselves deceived. Here's what I think the heartbeat of Paul is when he writes these words to Timothy. There are some things in life that you just can't sleep through. You can't sleep while you're driving yourself down the road in your truck. And you can't just go through life half asleep when it comes to knowing God's Word and when it comes to knowing what is truth. You have got to open the Bible for yourself. And you've got to read and you've got to come to an understanding of what is truth and what is not truth. You have to know for yourself what God's Word says.
So Paul says, you can count on this book. You can trust it. You can believe what it says. This is truth. This is God-breathed. So obviously, when Paul is writing these words, he is referring to the Scripture that he has to this point. Because he is writing 2 Timothy when he says this. And so with the Scripture that he has to this point, which is primarily the Old Testament, he is saying, all Scripture is God-breathed. You may say, Rick, okay, I'm, I'm hearing you say this. I'm hearing that it's in the Bible. Could, could you give me a little more? I know that to believe that God's Word is true is a statement of faith, but it's not uninformed faith. Let me, let me make four statements to you, okay? Jesus believed that the Scripture was truth. In Matthew chapter 5, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, everything written in the Law and the Prophets will be accomplished. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, everything written in this book, everything written in the Law and the Prophets, heaven and earth will pass away. These, these words will be fulfilled. And so what he's doing, he is saying with Paul, I believe that Scripture is God-breathed. I believe that Scripture is truth. I believe that Scripture is authoritative. I believe that Scripture is the supreme rule of life and faith. Jesus believed the Word of God was truth. You know, we, we could spend hours talking about it, but I'll make a very brief statement. There's the issue of historical and archaeological accuracy that confirms the truth of Scripture. So what, what do you mean by that, Rick? I'm just saying that, that history and archaeologists have affirmed over and over again the truth of what's recorded in Scripture. The events that are recorded in the Scripture, archaeologists rather have found evidence of those events taking place. Let, let, let me mention this to you. Like the, the book of Luke and Acts, Luke writes those books. He's given to detail. And, and so Luke mentions in all of his detail some 34 cities, some 52 countries... Nine islands. And so historians go back and say, did all of those places really exist? And history reports that all of those places really existed. Let, let, let me mention two other things. Jesus believed it was truth. Historical and archaeological, archaeological, archaeological accuracy supports the truth of God's word. Prophecy Fulfilled to something else to consider. The Bible tells us that Jesus is going to be born. And it tells us where he's going to be born. And when he's going to be born. And what lineage he will be born from. 
You know, I, I could stand here today and, and talk to you about many things when it comes to it. It's a statement of faith. What do you believe? So the Apostle Paul talks to a young man whose name is Timothy. And he says to Timothy, Timothy, we have this issue of false prophets. But there's an alternative for you. Continue in what you've learned and what you've been taught and convinced of because of who taught you. He's talking about his grandmother, his mother. He's talking about himself, the Apostle Paul, who was a teacher to Timothy. He's talking about other people who had influence in his life. Do you remember who it was that taught you the Scriptures? Probably the earliest I ever heard God's Word was probably on my mother's lap. Where did you first begin to hear about the Scriptures? Who was the first person to teach you? And he says, from infancy, Timothy, all of your life you were taught. You you, you might remember that for a young boy like Timothy, whose mother and grandmother were strong Jewish people, lovers of the Lord. Early on, they begin to teach Timothy. As, as a young Jewish boy, his education was, was very simple. It was learning the Torah, the, the law, the first five books of the Old Testament. Timothy, let's memorize the book of Genesis. You're doing well, Timothy, with Genesis. Let's start with Exodus. And so this has been a part of your life all of this time, Timothy. You have memorized the Scriptures. You have known them. Now continue in what you have learned. Because the Scriptures, he says, are two things. Number one, they are able to make you wise to salvation. I can't tell you how many people that I have heard stories of who said, I didn't, I didn't know the Lord. I was not a Christ follower, but I began to read the Bible. And as I began to read the Bible, my heart became hungry for God. And the Scripture showed me the way to God. The Scripture, Paul says, Timothy, will make you wise into salvation. Do you remember this story in the book of Acts? Well, the Apostle Paul had this custom, he had this strategy, he had this tradition. And when he would go into a town, what would he do? He would go to the synagogue. And what did he do when he got to the synagogue? He would begin to talk to people about Jesus. And so he shows up in a town, and the name of the town is Berea. And he begins to talk to the Berean Jews about Jesus. And here's what the Bible says about the Berean Jews. It said... They listened to what Paul had to say, and they examined the Scriptures to see if what Paul said was true. And so that was their mode of operation. We'd be glad to talk to you, Paul, about whatever it is you want to talk about. And then after we talk, we're going to go open the Bible, and we're going to look at the Scriptures, and we're going to decide whether or not you're telling us is true. What a novel idea. So you get told a lot of things in your life, don't you? Man, just, just, just watch the news a little bit. You'll hear a lot of stuff. Just turn on the television for a while. you hear a lot of stuff. 
And, and what if your mode of operation began to be simply this? I'm going to listen to what you have to say, and then I'm going to go get my Bible. And I'm going to see, according to God's Word, if what you say is true. And so that's what the Bereans did. And here's why Paul says you can do that. Because the Scripture is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. God's Word is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. You can count on God's Word. And so you lay down all of your life beside the Word of God. And you ask the question, am I on the right track? Am I going the direction that God would have me to go? Am I living my life the way God would have me to live? And you just lay it right down by the Word of God. It's really quite simple. And the Word of God becomes the guardrails in life that keep us on the right track. Have you heard Nora Santi Esteban's story? Nora Santi Esteban said, I was a drug addict. I lived in Miami, Florida. My, my drug addiction led me to being homeless. Nobody wanted me in their life. Nora says, one day I walked into a church for help. It was actually a Nazarene church. It was the Hialeah Church of the Nazarene. And she said, the people of the church said, do you sincerely want help? And she said, yes, I sincerely want help. And they said, are you willing to accept Jesus into your heart? And she said, I didn't even know what they were talking about. I, 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 just, I just said, whatever. I, I'm going to die out here. I mean, I don't know what you're saying. I don't even know how Jesus could get in my heart. But if you want me to pray to accept Jesus in my heart, I'll pray to accept Jesus in my heart. I don't know what else to do. She said, honestly, did not really know what it meant. She said, but they convinced me you need Jesus in your life. And she said, so I said, okay, I'll, I'll pray. I'll ask Jesus into my life. And she said, I said that prayer with them. And I remember when I said the prayer and I walked out the door of that church that day, life was different. She said, in her words, the skies were bluer and the grass was greener and all of life was brighter and everything was different. And she said, I started attending that church. She said, when I started attending that church, there was nobody there like me. Nobody. I was the only one. I was the only drug addict in the church. And she said, so I started, you know, going out and, and talking to people about Jesus. I, I, I went out and I talked to prostitutes and I talked to other drug addicts and they started coming to church. And she said, everybody in the church was not excited about the people I was bringing to church with me. 
He said, one of the people that was not excited was the pastor. And she said, one day he met with me and he began to suggest other churches that I might want to visit. This Nazarene pastor. And she said, I prayed. And I said, Lord, do you want me to go find another church? And she said, I felt like the Lord said, no, Nora. No, Nora, you stay where you are. You're right where I want you. You just keep bringing these people to church. And so she said, I kept bringing them to church with me. She said, we went through an awful time at that church because the pastor's wife died. And it was a really hard time. The church didn't understand how that could happen. And the pastor was very lonely and very sad. And so we went through the funeral and several months later, the pastor began to pray for a wife. Lord, you know I'm lonely and you know I can't function alone. You're going to have to bring me a wife. And he said one day when he was praying, he felt like God said, I have Nora set aside for you. Nora will be your wife. And he said, Lord, I don't want Nora for a wife. He said, Lord, you know Nora has been a pain. And the next day he prayed and he said, Lord, my heart is broken. I'm lonely. I'm hurting. I have to have a partner. And he said again, he felt like God said to him, I have set Nora aside to be your wife. And he said, Lord, you know what Nora has been. And you know what Nora has done. I'm asking you to give me a holy woman. And he said the Lord spoke to him that day and said, Do not call anything impure that I have made clean. And he went to Nora. And he said, Nora, I believe that God wants me to marry you. And Nora said, I don't want no preacher for a husband. You know what God did? He brought the two of them together and they began to minister to the drug addicts and the prostitutes in Miami, Florida. In the community of Hialeah. But he spoke through his word. Do you know what that scripture is about? Don't call anything impure that I've made clean. Simon Peter went up on the rooftop one day while the evening meal was being prepared. And he was hungry. He wanted something to eat, the Bible says. And God let him fall into a trance. I don't think it was like the trance of the guy on Council Road that fell asleep at his truck that day. But he kind of went to sleep that day. Simon Peter did on the rooftop. And he had this vision. And the vision that he had was the sheep being let down from four corners from heaven. And then it was every kind of animal, bird and reptile. And God says to Peter, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, Lord, there's no way. You know, I've never eaten anything unclean. And God says to Peter, don't call anything impure that I've made clean. And when he woke up, there were people waiting for him saying, we're supposed to take you to Cornelius' house. And he goes to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius is a Gentile. He is unclean. In the eyes of a Jew. 
And there's a crowd of people waiting to talk to Simon Peter. And Simon Peter says, you know me. You know I'm a Jew. You know that I cannot fellowship and I cannot visit with Gentiles. But the Lord has shown me not to call anybody unclean. And that was the scripture that God brought to reverence. What his name is, I just forgot, Nora's husband. Santi Esteban. And if the Apostle Paul heard the story, he would scratch his head and he would say, I'm not surprised. Because God's word is useful. For teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. I cannot tell you how many times I've gotten up in the morning and I've opened the Bible and the Lord has said to me, your attitude is wrong. Or you're not thinking straight. Or I do too love you. Or, Rick, you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. You know what we live with? We live with inadequacy. We live with a sense of, I'm not qualified. I'm not good enough. Rick, I would volunteer at the church, but I, I, I don't think that I'm qualified. I, I don't think that I know enough to do it. I, I I would do this more, I would do this more, but I'm not really... You know what I'm saying? How much of that inadequacy is founded in our lack of knowledge of Scripture? Because here's what Paul says before he stops. Here's what he says. He says, the Word of God is useful for what? Teaching and rebuking and correcting and training so that every servant of God will be equipped for works of service. Did you ever stop and just put all of that together? Oh! The way that I'm equipped for works of service, the way that I'm equipped to do God's work is that I spend time in His Word. That's where I learn and grow. And so, Paul says, Timothy, stay in the Word so that you'll be equipped. This is where you gain knowledge. This is where you mature as a believer. This is how you become stronger. And so here's what Paul says to a young pastor whose name is Timothy. All Scripture, Timothy, is God-breathed. The Holy Scripture will make you wise to salvation. It is useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training. And it will equip you for works of service. This is what God's Word can do for you. Well, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you will.
And so once again, we've opened the Word of God. And what does God do? He's faithful. He speaks to us through His Word. He talks to us because His Word is alive and His Word is active. And today God speaks. And so I would love to invite you to a time of reflection before we leave and a time of prayer before we go. And so I love on Sunday mornings to say, why don't, why don't we not leave until we've taken some time to pray together? And so you can come this morning and pray here or you can pray where you are. And we'll sing together and give you that opportunity to do so. And so this morning, if God has spoken to you about His Word, Rick, I don't feel equipped. I don't feel like I'm able. I don't volunteer because I don't feel like I have enough knowledge. I don't talk to people about truth because I don't think I have enough handle of the Word of God myself. It's a struggle for me. Pray for grace. God, help me to get into Your Word and to give me understanding of Your Word. We, we, we always have pastors who are available who would be glad to anoint you with oil and pray for God's healing for you. And if you want to come today for that purpose, you can come and someone will pray for you if you want to be prayed for. And this morning, if you want to come and pray for someone that you love or you're going through a crisis in your life, you can come and pray. And let me not finish without saying this morning, if you want to become a Christ follower, if you want to be forgiven of your sin, if you want to just come and say, Lord, I know that that I've not followed you. I, I, I know that I've not made following your word a priority in my life. I know, Lord, that I've kept you at arm's distance for a long time. And I've kind of lived life my way to do my thing. But I'm tired, and I need you. And like Nora, I want to see a bluer sky, and I want to see greener grass, and I want life to come alive for me. You you can come this morning, and if you do come to pray for that purpose, I would just challenge you to reach me or one of our pastors that is here and just say, I want to pray this morning to invite Jesus into my life. So if you want to do that, feel free to come. Let's let's sing together. And if you want to pray, let's take some time to pray. Holy words, love reserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words of life, words of life, words of hope, give us strength, help us cope in this world, wherever we roam, ancient words will guide us home, ancient
that you are changing us. By the power of your word. And in these last few weeks, Lord, many people have begun to read your word. And many people who have been reading your word are reading your word with urgency. And we begin sharing with one another what your word is saying to us. We come before you, Lord. We're in need. We deeply desire, Father, that you work powerfully in our lives. Challenge us, Lord, to embrace truth. To continue in what we have learned. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You might leave quietly. We may continue to sing for a bit or pray. Have a good day. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.